What is up? Welcome to another edition of the Fantasy Life Podcast. I'm Marcus Grant, joined by Dwayne McFarland. We've got an action-packed show for you as we get ready for Week 7. we got plenty to talk about in this one. We will go through the rankings report, as we always do. We'll also dive into the game between the Dallas Cowboys and the Detroit Lions, which actually looks like it could be pretty juicy for fantasy football. We've got a lot of things to talk about there, a lot of storylines in that game, so we will dive into that one. But before I bring Dwayne in here, I want to talk about the fact that there are four teams on a bye, and not just any four teams. We're talking about the Bills, the Eagles, the Vikings, and the Rams, which means there are a lot of fantasy stars that are unavailable this week, especially at the quarterback position. That means no Josh Allen, no Jalen Hurts, no Kirk Cousins, and yeah, well, no Matthew Stafford. I know he has been underwhelming, but still being rostered and started in a whole lot of leagues. So, Dwayne, we'll get into quarterbacks to stream, but I want to start with the Giants and Wandale Robinson, who really turns out to maybe be more valuable than we anticipated. Yeah, Wandale's a name that I really do like this week, especially if you're playing in like a deeper league. Um, he's available in almost like 70% of Yahoo leagues, even though wire, waiver wires have already run. So the thing I like about Robinson is the targets per route run last week, 36%. So we're always looking for the talent first. This is a second round draft pick. We know with the Giants, there's just not a lot of competition. Most people can't name any of the receivers on the, on the Giants. Like if you and I went together and we went out on the street with a microphone, we asked NFL fans to name two receivers from the Giants. I don't know if they could get there. And so with Wandell, it's just one of those situations where his talent can honestly you know, it can take him as far as he wants to go. Like we could, we could see this turn into a 23, 25% target share situation. They're using him mostly from the slot that helps isolate him from some of the better cover corners. Um, Daniel Bellinger, who we'll talk about later in the show, you know, he is really the only other guy demanding any kind of targets right now. So I really do like him. The other thing I like about a player like Robinson, even though his route participation is a little bit low, I'd rather focus on him than someone we may know that's going to be out there, but hasn't shown an ability to demand targets yet because if for some reason you hit and you're right about this, well, that means now you have potentially next week's you know, number one waiver wire acquisition. And even if you don't need him, you can potentially flip him for something else. So I really like the idea of grabbing Wandell Robinson this week, and you can put him in your flex if you're really hurting in a deep league. We talked about Tyquan Thornton a little bit earlier in the week mm -hmm. as well. I would guess maybe he falls into that same category. I know that there's not, you know, we haven't been clamoring for a ton of Patriots wide receivers, but he was getting those chances, did have the rushing touchdown, had a receiving touchdown last week. Do you look at him sort of in a similar vein as Robinson? Absolutely. And he's a little more available. Like he's available. I want to say he's only rostered still in like less than 15% of Yahoo League. So he's a guy that's going to be available pretty much to anyone that's listening to the show. Um, so I, I love you throwing his name out there. Um, and his and his um, utilization was actually a little better than, than Wandell's. Like he had gone from a 58% route participation in week five, which I think is his floor. If we see Nelson Aguilar active for the game and Kendrick Bourne happens to be active for the game, I think that's what you're looking at as a floor for Thornton. But last week, what we saw with Aguilar out and then Kendrick Bourne got hurt early in the game. And there's also been trade rumors around Kendrick Bourne. So maybe they don't want to play him. Maybe the Patriots are trying not to get, you know, want to keep him healthy so they can move him. I don't really, I can't imagine what you're going to get for Kendrick Bourne. But anyway, 73% um, route participation last week. So I think that's kind of the midpoint. Um, that's, that's, 
I think his ceiling's probably a little above that. Like, you know, he's a, he's a player that did show enough that we could see them maybe want to have him out there 80, 85% of the time. We would have to see. The, the Patriots like to go run heavy. That would probably be tough because they use a lot of two tight end sets. Um, and so that would mean them doing less of that. I don't see that happening against the Bears. The Bears give up the most rushing attempts per game, you know, this, you know, uh, in regulation play this season, period, like in on the planet, like in the world, in eternity, maybe like the, the, <laughs> the amount of rushing plays the Bears are giving up right now because teams just get up on them and then they don't want to pass to try to come back. They just kind of be like, well, we'll see if we can pop a big run. If we can't, we'll just lose. Um, so the Patriots are probably going to have their way on that front. But Thornton, yeah, definitely a name. And, and you mentioned it, like getting him involved in the running game. You know, they're doing some different things for him. You know, his average depth of tar- target is solid. It's not like this was all just schemed up, you know, little stuff. Uh, week five, week five, it was 15.3. So getting used as a downfield guy. Last week, getting used more in the short, you know, area, 4.4 yards, average depth of target. So I really like him. Last week, he also had 50% of the end zone targets. So a lot of things I think to like about Tyquan Thornton, potentially as a playmaker. Yes, fitting that same mold. If you hit, it's like a double hit because then you have, you know, this young asset that can help you and, and grow as the season goes. Yeah, I, I definitely think this is this might be more of a, a stash and hold week for him just because you've mentioned that the Patriots want to run. The Bears can't stop the run. This feels like another very heavy Ramondre Stevenson week. But Thornton yeah. with uh, with some upside potentially could be a guy down the road that you know, might have an opportunity yeah. somewhere. And if so, you're one of these teams, like I had a couple teams where I looked at him, I was like, oh, I have Stefan Diggs and A.J. Brown. Like, it feels really good until this week. Like <laughs> right. so, and, and if it's one of those deep leagues where there's nothing, you know, I, I would still rather throw Thornton in my lineup than right than than trying to force, you know, some some name, you know, like we we these names pop up every week. Right. Where mm-hmm. it's just like, hey, so and so and so and so is hurt. Play this receiver. It almost never works out. And the reason why is because to get targets as a receiver, you have to be good enough to earn them. You have to be able to beat the coverage across from you. They can only scheme so much, right? You know, every player can say get a 10 to 15% target share between some scheming and then, you know, getting some okay matchups in a game and earning it. But the players that can get to 20, 25, 30%, like they just have a true ability that uncaps all that for them. And so far with Taekwon Thornton, like he's sitting at a 20% targets per route run over the first two games of his career. That's really solid. Um, That's wide receiver three territory already. So um, even if you've got to go to him and throw him in your flex spot, like I would still do it, you know, over some of the other options that may be out there. Yeah, definitely worth worth keeping in mind. Um, you know, as you're kind of looking through there, if you're scrolling and your waiver wire seems, you know, emptier than a fridge before payday, <laughs> <laughs> it might be worth uh, talking of, about you know, my fridge. <laughs> I, I'm, I'm talking about my fridge. You kidding? What exactly? uh, let's let's pivot now to some of the rankings because you can always check out Dwayne and everyone's rankings over at FantasyLife.com. Go give that a look. By the way, while you're there, you should sign up for the newsletter if you haven't already. I always say this. It's always fun to open up your email inbox and see that you have an email from Matthew Barry. Like, it's really cool. So go go do that if you can. You and I both agree. This couldn't have worked out better for Josh Jacobs. He has turned into a true workhorse for the Raiders. All our fears about Zamir White taking opportunities or Brandon Bolden or what have you, those have evaporated in the last few weeks. The Raiders are running the football very effectively. Jacobs getting involved in the passing game. And now... Here come the Houston Texans, who are pretty much miserable when it comes to stopping the run. I mean, look, we know there are the superstars, right? We know there's the CMCs, the Saquons. But this week, Josh Jacobs, when it comes to rankings, has to be kind of up knocking on that door because everything just looks so good for him this week. 
Yeah, Jacobs, um, I'm three spots ahead of industry consensus. You know, I've, I've been ahead on him, and this is the beauty of utilization. It's been telling us for weeks to get ahead on him, right? And that that's that's why I do the utilization work. Um, but I have him at RB10 this week. That's three spots above consensus. But to your point, it will not surprise me, like, if he is the RB1 overall this weekend. Um, in fact, like, I'm still in my mind, like, do I push him above? You know, do I push him ahead? Like right now I've got, you know, my a quick rundown. I've got Eckler number one. Uh, you know, he's got a great game environment. He's been playing great. Saquon, CMC. I've got Fournette, Chubb, Ramondre, who we talked about, assuming Damian Harris is out. Kamara, Jonathan Taylor, Derek Henry, and then I have Josh Jacobs. But you could legit make an argument that once you get done talking about Eckler, like Josh Jacobs could fit anywhere in there. Like he could fit anywhere and, and and that's the way I tier it. So like I create tiers every week. And so he's in a, he's, it's an, it's a nice week for running backs overall. There's a lot of, there's a lot of, a lot of positives, but Jacobs. Yeah, he is. Uh, he looks like a complete smash play this weekend. We talk about his utilization, you know, he's over the last two weeks, 89 and 81% of the snaps. And we mentioned this a couple of weeks ago, but the big difference being is that he's really involved in the passing game. Um, he is handling, you know, when they go to long down and distance. Now he used to never see any of this work. Now he's getting 40 to 45% of that. So he's out there for extra passing snaps. And then with the two minute offense in the last two games, he's had a hundred percent and almost 70% of the snaps in the two minute offense was not getting that before. And Josh McDaniels, you know, we've talked about being a historical coach that, you know, looking back at his days with the Patriots always liked to use, you know, that committee. And even the beat reporters and everyone this offseason, you know, echoed all of that. Like, it's going to be a committee. Like, Brandon Bolden's going to be involved. Amir Abdullah's going to be involved. You know, they've got the rookies, Amir White. Uh, quick side note is Amir White. He's been released in a ton of leagues. And seeing the way McDaniels is actually, you know, he's willing to use, you know, a bell cow back. Like, just keep that in mind. Zamir White might still be a really good handcuff if something happens to Josh Jacobs. But this, this is the Josh Jacobs show, not the Zamir White show today, folks. So, and, and we <laughs> knock on wood, we want Josh Jacobs to stay healthy. I love the fact that he's getting to do what he's doing right now. Like, because he's a guy that we always knew was a pretty good running back, just never got the role. It's amazing what happens when you give these guys you spend first round picks on that are pretty good players. Like, you're just like, yeah, hey, you know what? I'll just let this guy roll. Like, it can be pretty good. The last two weeks, 34.4 and 30.3 fantasy points. I mean, that is just absolutely blowing everything up. So, utilization is great. Um, he's been really good, you know, on a talent perspective as well. Um, he's number five in missed tackles force per attempt at 0.31. The NFL average is 0.17. Um, yards after contact also destroying 4.19 on average yards after contact. The NFL average over the last three years is 2.93. So he's blowing that away. And then when we look at the game environment, all those other things that we like to talk about, they all look really good, you know, for Josh Jacobs, 26.2 and five, 26.25 implied points for the Raiders, according to BetMGM, BetMGM, if we use their lines. And then you have the matchup. The matchup, you already mentioned, they're playing the Houston Texans. They are seven-point favorites. So you know they're gonna they're, they're most likely going to be in a lead. That's going to mean more Josh Jacobs. And we've seen the Raiders be a little more willing to lean into the running game the last couple of weeks. So not only is Jacobs picking up more work in the passing game, they're also running the ball more. That just means more overall touches for Josh Jacobs. So, yeah, it is one of those scenarios where truly, again, and we had one of these with Dalvin Cook earlier in the year, and it was about to happen, and he hurt the shoulder. Uh, and, uh, you know, so it just, it's, he's, Dalvin Cook still did fine, right? But he didn't explode the way we wanted him to. So this is the next one. Josh Jacobs is right there. Like he, you know, I could easily rank him number one overall. 
we talk about you know Jacobs and, and the fact that you know fantasy wise we'd sort of been down on him and I I think it wasn't it was never because of talent it was more because of how the Raiders were employing him and and I know that you know, firstly I would look and say why aren't they throwing him the ball more it's something that I think he does well now it looks like they've figured it out so thank you Raiders <laughs> for, for, for <laughs> he's like a Jimmy team. Fallon thank you no like thank right. you <laughs> thank you exactly thank you josh mcdaniel um the 49ers josh mcdaniel and mike yeah. mcdaniel's thing is gonna drive and mike mcdaniel gonna... josh mcdaniel's it's gonna yeah. drive me insane i it's I gonna have drive to... me nuts because i i put the wrong s i put the s on the wrong one every time so i just apologize to everyone out there ahead of time it's every year i have one or two things like in fantasy that will trip me up this year it's those two coaches mm-hmm. and their last name no, I have to Google it every time when I'm writing just to make sure I get it right. And so, like, I completely understand. I completely get that. That and use check, learning how to, to spell that is. Maybe. So we need some way to remember it. Maybe Mike. Um, no, that won't work. Because I was yeah. thinking Mike, Mike, Mike McDaniel. If I said it's M&M's, I would know there's an S. But no, right. it's not. <laughs> but, but you know, it's, jo- it's the Josh McDaniels. So anyway, whatever. Yeah, I don't know. If there's somebody out there that has like a really great mnemonic device for how we can remember Josh McDaniels versus Mike McDaniel, I'm all for it. You can, you know, hit us up on Twitter and let us know. We, we would be grateful for that one. All right. Well, talk about Mike McDaniel. He came from the 49ers, <laughs> and this week they've got a tough one against the Kansas City Chiefs coming, trying to bounce back after that loss last week to Atlanta. And we, we talked about this a little bit at the top of the show with Jimmy Garoppolo. Game script favors them potentially throwing the ball a lot, trying to play from behind. You talked about their pass catchers. I mean, we know how good Debo is. Uh, Brandon Ayuk had a nice week last week. George Kittle had arguably his most productive week as a pass catcher last week. All three of those guys in play for you coming up in week seven? Absolutely. Um, and Debo, Debo's a smash play this week. The thing with Debo, like we what holds him down, and we all know this, but just to kind of, you know, quick recap, the 49ers just run the ball so much. But even though he's got this target competition of dealing with Brandon Ayuk, dealing with George Kittle, he has become the clear alpha on the team. Here are his target shares each week, 27%, 24%, 29%, 29%, 30%, 25%. This guy is not disappearing because someone else is stepping ahead of him in the pecking order. Yeah, Brandon Ayuk had the big game last week, but Debo is the dude. And so when you get to have him in a game like this where you know a 27% target share, that's what he's averaging on the season for the 49ers might norm on a normal week. The problem is that's six or seven targets, right? Um, and Debo still manages to do a lot with that, and you're fine with him in your fantasy lineup. But you get to a week like this week, Marcus, that could be 10 to 12 targets when the 49ers are forced to throw the ball more, and he still gets the rushing volume as well. Now, that's come down a little bit over the last two games as his targets have gone up, but we're talking probably we've got a ceiling of a 12 to 15 touch game between the targets or opportunity game, right? Between the targets and between the rushing attempts for Samuel this weekend. And anytime you get that, like he's a threat to be the number one wide receiver on the slate. Um, Even if, even if we had the others, even if Stefan Diggs was not out, even if Cooper cup was not out, even if, you know, AJ Brown was not out, it would not matter. Debo would still be in this particular game with the 49ers. So banged up on defense he would be, in fact, like, I wish those guys were all here because I would just play Debo on every roster in DFS. Like, I would go build, I would hand build 20 lineups with Debo and all of them and just say, if Debo doesn't do well, fine, I'm not doing well. But knowing that so much of the field would gravitate to a lot of the other names, 
Like this is the kind of this is the kind of time you would want to have Debo in that kind of lineup. So he's gonna in DFS, like he's gonna get more used this weekend because of those things, but it's okay. Like, and if you've got him, you know, in your home league, like you should, obviously you're gonna start him anyway, but you're gonna feel really great about Debo. Like this is one of those games where everything lines up perfectly for him. Yeah. It's funny. Debo is the wide receiver one in San Francisco. He's also their RB two. yeah how how many times do you get to say that yeah right you know it's jeff wilson and then it's debo samuel that's like the second running back is people will write me and they'll be like oh man i noticed in the utilization report like you know debo's routes are they're kind of low he's like 80 percent. i was like yeah because like the other 20 percent of the time like he's lined up in the backfield and you don't know if he's gonna get a handoff like you know i mean it's like it's okay it's like okay okay. and you got and if a guy's getting like that much he's he's doing all those different things it's like you know let's give him a little breather yeah no right he every now and then he deserves to kind of sit one out like if anybody deserves to take a playoff it's devo samuel because he puts in so much work in san francisco since we're talking about running backs let's talk about the bears running backs because you know, their offense has not been... Oh, real quick, Marcus. You, yeah. you asked me on Ayuk and Kittle, just so sure. folks know. They definitely move up this week. Uh, I have Kittle as my tight end three for the same reasons we just talked about with Debo. He he is behind Debo now in the pecking order, and it's clear. He did have a season high last weekend, uh, 24% target share. I believe that turned into nine targets. So you could also have an eight, nine target game for Kittle. Same thing for Ayuk. If you liked what you saw last week, the blow-up game, like it was driven by the fact that, you know, they got behind on the Falcons and they had to throw the ball more. And so those guys are both, uh, you know, they've moved up the ranks. In fact, this weekend, Ayuk, I have as a low end wide receiver two. Kittle, I already talked about high end tight end one. Sorry. There you go. No problem. No, good. Good to get that in there. Uh, let's talk Bears running backs, though, right now, because I, I didn't love the matchup anyway. I, I like David Montgomery. I know I, I feel like I'm in an increasing minority for people who like David Montgomery. <laughs> People I do love to hate on David Montgomery. I, I, I don't get it, man. I think he's a good running back, and people just seem to to dump on him all the time. I didn't love the matchup this week, though, against the Patriots. They've been tough. They don't give up rushing touchdowns, first of all, so that sort of made me nervous. And then what really has me nervous is now Matt Eberflus coming out and saying they're going to go with a hot hand situation. And if there's a phrase that fantasy managers hate more than running back by committee, it's probably hot hand situation because then you really have no idea how things are going to go. So when you look at Montgomery and Khalil Herbert, where are you at on those guys this week? Yeah, had to move Montgomery down some. Um, you know, I, I look, Montgomery doesn't wow you, but like the utilization's always been there. So of course I've always been okay with him. I'm usually ahead of consensus on him in my rankings or at least right at consensus. But I had to move him down this week because this kind of comment does, you know, it it bothers you. And when you watch Khalil Herbert, like, I get it. Like, he's a good player. Um, you know, if you look at a miss, miss tackles force per attempt, 0.29, that's seventh in the NFL right now. So this is minimum of, of 40 rushing attempts per PFF data. Average yards after contact, 4.51. That's number one in the NFL. 10-plus yard attempts, 19%. That is second in the NFL. And that's a good way. Like, if you, anytime you hear yards after contact, you just have to remember – there could be a huge run or two in there, which Herbert certainly has, that really inflate the number. So what you want to go look at to see, okay, how consistently can this player break nice, you know, long runs? So 10 yards is really good. 10 yards is an automatic first down in pretty much every scenario, unless you had a penalty on first down. And so 19% of the time, and that's second in the league. That is also something coaches pay attention to. They like that because if you can pick up a first down occasionally, 15, 20% of the time, a running back touches the ball without you know, having to even put the ball in the air and risk a a turnover or anything like that. Like a lot of coaches, especially defensive-minded coaches, Eberflus comes from that background, right? He was a defensive coordinator before. 
So it's just something where they're going to pay attention to that. So he's played really well. His PFF rushing grade is 74.3. That's 19th in the league. Montgomery has not been terrible. Like he, you know, 27.27, uh, you know, missed tackles force per attempt. That's ninth. So we Herbert was seventh. Uh, you look at his yards after contact, still above the NFL average, 3.27. That's 13th. Now Herbert is first, uh, but 10 plus yards attempt. That's where he's not as good. Not really that explosive of a back, but he's right around the NFL average at 11%. But his PFF rushing grade, which really tries to isolate the player from the blocking, everything else going on, 56.4. That's 43rd out of the 44 backs that qualify. So I think there's definitely something to this narrative. I think that, you know, seeing how Herbert is outperforming David Montgomery, even though it may not have been, Montgomery hasn't been terrible in all these categories, he's still getting outperformed by the other player. So in a hot hand scenario, uh, wow, like David Montgomery a lot of times gets the cold hand, you know, so Herbert we've seen lately get the hot hand. Uh, and so I do think it's going to be a challenge. Um, so I, I, I had to, I had to move both players I already mentioned that. So Khalil Herbert this weekend climbs into, I, I call him a boom bus RB three at this point. Um, you know, because to your point, Marcus, we still don't know like for sure how much he's going to get used. Um, if he comes in and he's not effective, like, does that just mean we still can continue to see all David Montgomery Montgomery because of the buys is still in the low end RB two conversation. Uh, you know, we'll have to see what happens this week. If it is, you know, if all of a sudden Herbert comes out and just, you know, gets 60% of the work, then that's going to move him into RB3 territory for the rest of the season. So we're going to have to kind of play it by ear. If you've got Montgomery, you're probably starting him this weekend. Herbert, if you've got a flex spot open because of one of these receivers that are on by and you had to move another receiver into your starting receiver position, um, then Herbert could be an option, you know, rather than going and trying to pick someone up and drop someone that you don't want. If you've got Herbert on your bench, he's a little more trustworthy. He has a higher ceiling for sure. Now that the coach has come out and said this, because if he gets really hot, like we could see him, you know, lead the backfield on any given weekend. All right. Well, that, uh, that's something to watch. I'm definitely going to be watching. Cause like I said, as a David Montgomery guy, um, just kind of want to see how this shakes out. But yeah, I, I read hot hand and my stomach got all queasy. I know <laughs> uh, what I will say about Montgomery. He is he's clearly better than Herbert as a pass blocker. Mm -hmm. um, Herbert for two straight years has not been good in pass protection. So we could also uh, I think what could end up happening here, like long term, like if both players say play to their strengths kind of thing, like like imagine you're talking to your kids, you know, like you're trying to coach them up and get them to play to their strengths. Um, like it would be Montgomery still handling the passing down role. Not necessarily great on a team that doesn't throw very often, but in PPR formats that could still keep you afloat. And we could just see Khalil Herbert maybe take a little bit of an edge right on those early down carries with Montgomery still being involved. That that would allow both players to still be viable, um, you know, and it could settle into a scenario like that. Like that would be more helpful than knowing that it was this hot hand. I, and I guess it depends on what you're looking for. If you're just every week, all you care about is ceiling, maybe hot hand is what you want from the two. Um, but I don't know. Like I like things to be a little more orderly in my life. <laughs> Not as, that they as, ever are in fantasy. Like we, I want to at least pretend they could be orderly. You know, it's like it gives us some sort of peace of mind, right? Pretending that we yes. can have some level of control over what's happening, yeah. even if we even <laughs> if we don't. Um, want to talk some tight ends just because that's always a complete mess. Darren Waller did not practice for the Raiders on Wednesday. We're still waiting to see what his status is, although it's certainly not optimistic. Is it is it an easy pivot to Foster Moreau? I mean, I, I feel like after the top two tight ends, you know, after Mark Andrews and Travis Kelsey, it's it's a roll of the dice. So do you just pivot to Foster Moreau if if Darren Waller can't go this week? 
Yeah, I think there are a few names we can discuss, but let's start with Moreau. I think Moreau is an easy pivot. Um, if you're in a tough situation and you need to use him for Waller, we've seen him in the past come through. I think things are obviously a little bit different now, though, right? We've got uh, Devontae Adams in the mix. We've got Hunter Renfro back from, you know, the concussion stuff that held him out. And then we also have Mac Hollins, who's just been, you know, not not great, but at least a little bit more involved. So there are three weapons um, that are already getting targets. So it's not something like we're in the past with Foster Moreau. Part of it has also been it was just him and it was just him and uh, Hunter Renfro. Right. Uh, and so you didn't have to worry about Adams and then a third other option that was, you know, garnering some looks. But I do still think he'll be, you know, he's in that high end tight end two kind of conversation if we don't have Waller around. Uh, it is nice that he's shown the ability to demand the looks in the past. So that's something that's always, you know, that always matters to me. I For tight ends and receivers, the number one thing I care about, you know, I, I love yards after the catch. I love deep targets. I love all those things. But the number one thing I look at, the first thing is, can this player generate targets? And Moreau has at least shown that he's been able to do that in the past. So I think that's definitely a plus. So you got Moreau there. A couple other names that that you talk about, I'm guessing you're, you're pivoting to is Greg Dulcich, who, you know, RIP all my preseason Albert O takes, because those are pretty much a wrap now. I'm with you, man. I'm with you. Let me <laughs> hop in the grave with you. We'll just, you know, just save some money and get buried together. There you go. <laughs> just, you know, I'm sure there's more of us out here. You guys want to get in on a plot. We can all do that together. Uh, so Greg Dulcich oh, came in, had a touchdown, and, you know, I'm getting a lot of questions about him now. Daniel Bellinger, who's another one who, you know, the first week he was one of Adam Ranks. That helps no one all-stars. But now he's actually getting more opportunity. So, you know, again, in a world where we're just we're struggling for any consistency at tight end, these are like a couple of new kids on the block. Are are we are we able to buy in? I mean, I feel like with Bellinger, it's more than just a fluke. It's been a couple of weeks now. But even right. with Dulcich, are we able to buy in with his usage? Yeah. So, well, it is Nathaniel Hackett. So I would say all bets are off. So, he's so not there's an done, asterisk there. Yeah. Yeah. He's not. Yeah. Yeah. He's not really done anything that we've expected, um, nor that we would have thought were optimal. And look, we're just, we're fantasy football analysts. I know there's, we give these coaches a hard time. A lot of them are super fart, super, wow, super smart. <laughs> that, yeah. See, that's what you get whenever you're just. <laughs> Daniel Hackett is like a super fart, whatever. Uh, I know they're super smart guys. Um, they've been around this game. They know what's going on. So uh, look, we like to have our fun, but he's got his reasons for why he's doing what he's doing. Um, and I guess what you would say the positive is, is right out of the gate. Like the guy comes off of IR and he's out there for 81% of the routes. Um, so I think you basically have to be an absolute superstar to get on the field with Nathaniel Hackett. Like you've got to be doing a lot of things right. So maybe we chalk that up as to, wow, this guy's going to be really, really good. If like he is the guy that can crack Nathaniel Hackett and actually be on the field. Um, you know, he's a very athletic tight end. He can work the seams, do all those sort of things that we really like to see. The question is really, honestly, what has held him down a little bit in my ranks this week. I have him as a mid-range tight end, too. I do like him as the pickup, though, for the similar reasons that we talked about with Wandell, for the same reasons we talked about Tyquan Thornton. If I'm making a pickup this week and I'm not just, like, making my rankings for the week, like, I have him as a high-end tight end, too. And I would prioritize him over a Foster Moreau. I would prioritize him over a Mike Gusecki. I would prioritize him over Jawan Johnson, a lot of these other names, because... He has that unknown upside. He's got the draft capital. They wanted him. They've As soon as they got him back, they got him in the game. So if Denver can just get the offense like to okay, not even great, 
maybe Dulcich is really a thing, you know, moving forward down the stretch. So that's the way I think about it. You, you know, I, I make those tiebreakers when I'm trying to pick my, you know, guy for the week. Even if I've got someone like Mark Andrews, like still, like what if Dulcich pops off? Um, you could trade Dulcich. Like if he pops off this weekend and you got a young tight end and every and tight end's a wasteland, then you could turn around and be like, fine, you know, um, and I know Mark Andrews isn't a good example because he's not on by this week. But the point being, like, even if you've got a really good tight end, like, and you're wanting to carry one, like, he's a guy Dallas, that I think Dallas go Goddard. right. You can trade there, him. Yeah, Dal- yeah, use Dallas Goddard. Yeah, my bad. Uh, sure. So, yeah, you got Dallas Goddard. Um, I would rather pick up Dulcich than some of the other names just because of that added potential value. Yeah, so there you go. So that's on Dulcich. Bellinger's. And Be- Bellinger's the same yeah. as, like, the Wandell thing, really. Yeah. Like, no, who? it's like, who else is demanding targets? Like, can the average fan, there's no way the average fan can name more than probably one receiver that even plays on the Giants. <laughs> right. And it's probably Kenny Galladay, and he's the one that's never playing. Like, I mean, someone might be able to get Kadarius Tony out. Like, in fantasy circles, that's a name. But if you, if we like, we're doing an interview, like, you know, where it was you and me, you know, with the mic on the street, walking up, you know, to people and being like, you know, and we're like, hey, five grand of the person that can name the most Giants wide receivers. Like, <laughs> I, I bet most people couldn't, you know, and we would qualify it as you have to be an NFL fan. Like, I doubt anyone could get past two. Yeah. I, I mean, I, just, I, I struggle to get past, you know, like off the top of my head. I, I guess I could probably get you. <laughs> like, I do this for a living. And I'm, I'm, like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm like, I'm David, David Sills. You know, no one knows who that is. You know, uh, Richie James, he's had a, a, a big, you know, Thursday night game in his past, but people don't know about these guys. You right. know, um, even, even like Darius Slayton, you know, has been really missing in action for like two seasons now. So it's just one of those scenarios where he's a rookie. They like him. Um, you know, he's had a 20 plus percent target share in two out of the last three weeks. And last week he got over the 80% route participation. He's one of those guys that's been that slow, steady rise where it's not just a blip or all of a sudden it's like, oh, this guy just popped up with this. Like he has been steadily rising, working his way into more playing time. And with Brian Dable, it really seems that like that's kind of his mentality, right? Like everything is earned. Daniel Bellinger has earned it. And he's very much seems to be, we're going to play our guys. You know, he's it's not seems to be, he's ruthlessly, we're going to play our guys. We're going to play the dudes that have earned the playing time. And Bellinger's earned that. So I don't expect him to lose it. Um, I think he, I've got him at tight end 14 this weekend. He could be a low end tight end one for the rest of the season if he stays in the role, just because it's wide open. Yeah, it is very wide open. By the way, you talk about your McDaniels versus McDaniel struggle. For me, uh, living in LA as a Dodger fan, I see Bellinger and I immediately think Cody and I oh, have yeah. to stop myself. <laughs> uh-huh. Yeah, I bet. <sighs> They've solved me of that issue for the next several It's months. okay. Like this has been a blooper reel today, like with the pronounce on there my, not on yours, on the, on <laughs> You know what? It's week seven for all of us. That's that's who I'm yeah. with right now. So want to wrap up the show talking about this Dallas and Detroit game because it is intriguing. Now, you know, in terms of actual football and what it means, I mean, the, the Lions are one and four. We as much as we think they're fun, they're not really a threat for the playoffs, whereas the Cowboys very much, uh, you know, have designs on playing late into January and possibly February. But fantasy-wise, there's a lot of storylines. And let's just start with the biggest one, that being Dak Prescott is back. Hasn't played since week one because of the thumb injury. Cooper Rush did a nice job in real football terms of helping keep the Cowboys afloat, not, you know, not setting the house on fire while he was gone. But for fantasy, Dwayne, having Dak back, it's obviously it's good news for C.D. Lamb, but it means a lot for Michael Gallup and a whole lot of other places, a, a lot of people in that offense. I mean, when you look at this, what does this mean, especially for those pass catchers in Dallas now that Dak is available? 
Yeah, so I think, number one, it just means that anytime they need to open up the passing game more, they can. That, that's been the thing they've really tried to, and, and you said it perfectly, like Cooper Rush has done a really nice job from you know, an NFL perspective, right? He did, he's done his job as a backup, you know, quarterback in the league. He came in, he managed to help keep the the ship from totally sinking, you know? Um, yeah, they'd lost to the Eagles, you know, last weekend. But like, if you would have said like, hey, you know, Dak Prescott's going to get hurt, you know, in week one, and like, we're not going to have him back until week se seven, and we're only going to have two losses, the Cowboys would have taken that every time, right? And so I think that he did a nice job of keeping the Cowboys in position you know, in a division where obviously, you know, the Eagles are still undefeated and the Giants are playing above their weight. And so the Cowboys couldn't really afford to lose a lot of games. So that was a nice thing for Cooper Rush. I think that's definitely, you know, they know they have a guy they can keep from that perspective. But I think what this does for fantasy, um, now the Cowboys are going to feel less of a need to do that, right? And, and maybe they, th this weekend, they could really still lean into that run a little bit. In fact, like if you look at the Lions, they're terrible against the run. The Lions are terrible against everything on defense. Right. <laughs> so that's the beauty of when you against the Lions is, uh, yeah, you've got a good matchup. It doesn't matter. You could name your running back, your tight end, your wide receiver, your quarterback. You're like, all of them. We just want to start all of them against the Lions. Um, but with the Cowboys, they've really been, you know, in that protective mode with Cooper Rush. And I think the that that could kind of change now. So, for example, if you look at, you know, the uh, neutral game scripts, where they're within three points, you get rid of overtime and two-minute off, two-minute drills and all that kind of stuff. They are passing the ball 56% of the time. The league average is 60% of the time. So they're slightly below the NFL average. They're a little bit below even when they're trailing. And they're also below the NFL average and dropping back to pass when leading 44% versus the NFL average of 51%. I would expect all those things to probably get towards the league average. And in the games where they need it, they will be able to go well above the league average. But the, the beauty of it is the Cowboys offense, like they've always ran a lot of plays. And they kept one thing intact, even with Cooper Rush, and that's the pace they play with. So the neutral play clock, seconds remaining, 10.7 on average. So that's in those same neutral game scripts. That actually ranks number eight in the NFL. So the Cowboys have continued to snap the ball with plenty of time left on that. It's the total opposite of what Jason Garrett's offense used to look like. It used to drive me nuts. I would be like down to one second every time on the play clock. You look up at the end of the game, you're like, wow, 55 snaps. Like it's really, you had to live all... All the time you had to live on efficiency. So this is an offense that's willing to run a lot of plays. Now, if they're going to be willing to pass more, that's where we get these explosions like what we've seen over the last two to three years where the Cowboys have been in the top five in plays per game. So I think we're going to get back towards that. I think they're still going to remain a little bit balanced, Marcus, just because Dak's still going to be dealing with the injury. The matchup this weekend says you can be balanced, but there could be a lot of efficiency for Dak Prescott. I have him as my QB seven this week. Um, so, I mean, he's a mid-range QB one in his first game back. Now we do have some guys on by, but I think, you know, seeing the way they've kept the pace and all these other things going, and now you get, um, you know, a healthier wide receiver core, Dak's definitely in that low end QB one conversation for the rest of the way. And, I, and if you have Dak, obviously you're, you're excited to have him back. You're rushing him back in just because quarterback has been such a wasteland so far this season. So to get a guy of Dak's caliber back against the matchup that he has, there's very little doubt if you've got Dak you are for sure for sure starting him and you're doing it with a smile this week you talk about the Lions being bad defending pretty much everything Ezekiel Elliott's been pretty good the last two weeks 81 rushing yards last week 78 the week before you talk about the Cowboys wanting to be balanced which means he's still getting opportunities I don't know if this is a Mike McCarthy thing or a Jerry Jones thing or maybe it's a, a little bit of both but this is another week with the Cowboys as a favorite this week 
where I would expect Zeke, and again, gets a heavy workload. Wouldn't be surprised if you see a four-minute offense sort of thing with him just sort of grinding out the clock. But, uh, you know, if there's a week to be excited about Ezekiel Elliott, this, this Dwayne feels like the one. Yeah, I mean, and Zeke, he played his best game last weekend against the Eagles. Um, you know, a tough defense. You know, that was his best, best PFF rushing grade of the season, 82.8. He delivered three 10-plus yard carries, you know, including that, that touchdown run that was really nice. Um, so some things we haven't seen. We saw a little bit of vintage Zeke. Um, so <clears throat> we did see that early last season before the PCL, and that was kind of the thing that, you know, a lot of people that still were drafting Zeke were clinging on to. But look what he was like before the injury. And maybe who knows? Maybe we get a little bit more from Zeke. Uh, I moved him out of RB three purgatory for the weekend, um, and there, you know we don't have a ton of great running backs on by, so it wasn't necessarily just due to that. It's just due to the fact that we've got this really juicy matchup against the Lions, who give up so much, so, so many yards everywhere. But on the ground, they you know there, there's going to be an opportunity. I think Zeke scores a touchdown this weekend. I'll just say that um, he's a mid range RB two. Uh, he could surprise us. Like I think Zeke could surprise us. I like I like the fact that you're on him too. That gives me confidence. But I think we could see this is a potential hundred hundred yard outing uh, with a touchdown for Zeke this weekend. Probably not going to see a lot of work in the passing game, even though he's out there. He doesn't get. The, they don't target the running backs. Period. Like they're just not targeting the running backs this year. Now a lot of that has been with Cooper Rush and like everything's a bootleg. Right. Like every pass Cooper Rush throws is a bootleg, uh, you know, so a lot of times in a bootleg, you know, you're, you're running backs, not necessarily part of the route. Right. It's like a tight end leaking into the flat into the flat, a wide receiver from the opposite side coming across on a deep crosser like the other wide receivers running a hitch right on on the same side of the field. So a lot of times the running back, you know, is just out of the picture in that kind of play. But yeah, I like Zeke a lot. Um, one word real quick and I'll make it quick. CD Lamb, man, like has not broken out with a huge game yet, but the underlying utilization like is there. I'm just going to say that. And and this is also another one of those scenarios where everything aligns like CD lamb could easily be the wide receiver one this weekend. Um, like he's number one in the NFL right now, Marcus in target share. Hmm. And no one's really talking about that. The big question on lamb was okay. With Amari Cooper gone, can he really demand all these targets on his own whenever he's getting more attention? And the Cowboys have also done a nice job of move, moving him around. They keep him in the slot almost 60% of the time. They get some motion, do some different things with him. Uh, using a lot of, a lot of his targets come off of play action. A play action target is worth about 20% more than a non-play action target in fantasy football over the last three seasons just creates more space. So I think there are a lot of positives with CD lamb. In fact, like it's kind of crazy that he hasn't gone off yet um with with how much he's getting targeted and he's catching he's catching balls it just hasn't worked out where he's got the big play and he had they had one that they just missed last weekend that might have been a touchdown pass where lamb was wide open you know down the sideline so i think some of those things are also back in play with dak right when you get prescott back and who knows that could be a little rusty this weekend so well i don't want to get too crazy with it but lamb himself like uh, wow like he's profiling like an absolute alpha wide receiver one i would expect the fantasy points to follow like in a big way well and people have you know expressed concerns to me about cd lamb i keep saying hey look man he's out there a ton he's getting a lot of targets it just hasn't translated but at some point you feel like the dam is going to burst and yeah and earning targets is still the yeah. number one thing yeah. so uh, you know like lamb may never be on the same tier as you know, a Tyreek Hill. He may, he may never be on the same tier as a Jamar Chase because he can't do the same things those guys do once the ball, once he has the ball. But he's still a good yards after catch player. The, the thing I see with Lamb is 
he's not an alpha that's going to go down the field and go up and get it consistently time after time like some of these other guys. But Tyreek Hill's not that guy either, right? Tyreek Hill doesn't do like every player has their own thing that they're really good at. Jamar Chase is a freak; like he can do absolutely <laughs> everything. It's only a matter of time before he's the absolute number one wide receiver in fantasy football. Period. Um, but but Lamb can st- you can still be really good, you know. And I think he can still score really good fantasy points. He may not be a guy, you know you know, busting out these 30 pointers every weekend. But I think like 22 to 23 points is very much in his range. Uh, Last thing here. How do you balance a guy like Jared Goff, right? Because the game script says that the Lions are going to have to throw the football a lot. But the on paper in the on the field matchup says that defense is going to be after him. And he may have a whole lot of Micah Parsons and company in his face. How do you sort of balance that when you're putting the rankings together? Yeah, I've got him one slot ahead of Jimmy Garoppolo, who we've already talked about liking. Um, but so yeah, it, it holds him down. Like he would be higher if it wasn't for that. I mean, he's averaging nineteen point seven points per game. <laughs> you know, what I mean, which is if you look at this weekend's slate of quarterbacks we have available, it's fourth. He would rank fourth out of the guys we have available to start in in fantasy points per game. So you have to keep that in mind as well. You're getting Amon Ross St. Brown back. Uh, you know, he was back the last game, but he wasn't healthy. You're, he practiced in full um, on Wednesday. You've got DeAndre Swift that should be back. He is a big part of the passing attack as well. So he's got he's going to have these explosive weapons. He can just sit back there and distribute. He doesn't. He's not a guy that holds onto the ball a long time. You know, he's more of a drop back, diagnose quickly, go through your read, get it out, get it out, get it out. So that could help him. Uh, the quarterbacks that really struggle against Dallas are the ones that want to hold on to the ball because you can't. You just can't. And don't be wrong. Micah Parsons will get you even if you're trying to throw it in under two and a half seconds, which is kind of the average we look at. Uh, you know, he can do crazy things. But the Lions offense, their offensive line is also going to be as healthy as it's been all year. And it's an offensive line that like um, – you know, if you look at like their grades, like they haven't been as good, but like we expected this to be one of the top lines in the league. And so I still think that there's a potential for them to be able to neutralize the Dallas pass rush just enough. I have him as my QB 11. It's definitely a concern when you got to play against Parsons. Uh, Like I'm a Cowboys fan. I live here. I watch every week. The coverage is not as good as people think. Uh, You know, their coverage grade is really good, like on PFF, but everything goes hand in hand. Like the, the pressure is just so immense, <laughs> you know, whenever you're playing against Dallas, um, you know, it, it you know, it's hard to d- dissect those things all apart, you know, completely apart from one another. Cause if you're in a rush and you got to get rid of it quicker, like has your receiver even had a chance to make their break yet? Has your receiver, you know, have you had a chance to actually read the field and pick the right receiver that is open to throw the ball to? And so those kind of things, you know, they all add up. So I still like Goff. I think he's in the streaming conversation, low end QB one this weekend. Uh, I love him on Ross St. Brown this weekend. Uh, he's going to get to play inside uh, there should be a lot of points in the game. I have a Monra ranked ahead of uh, Lamb by one spot, you know, and I love Lamb. So they're both uh, they're both obviously uh, big plays this weekend. All right. Well, looking forward to watching that game. Should be fun. Should be a lot of fantasy points, which I uh, don't know if we would have thought that. As soon as we fun. say that, there won't be. You know, of course, right? That's just, the game's going to be like you know, thirteen <laughs> to ten or something when it's all said and done. Who knows? That's why we watch though, because you never know what's going to happen what i do know is going to happen is that we're we're, we're going to wrap up this show but hopefully you guys go guys go to fantasylife.com check out the rankings there also sign up for the newsletter get involved with all the tools a whole lot of new fun tools too popping up on the site so hopefully you can dive in and and use those to help make yourself a little bit smarter make your lineups a little bit stronger each and every week 
uh, Dwayne, as always, a good time. Uh, now it's sort of it's sort of time to kick up the feet a little bit, enjoy some football, and then it's back to the lab early next week, right? Absolutely, absolutely. Yeah, well, uh, you know, hope everybody does well in the bye week hell with these receivers and quarter. It's quite a unique situation. I haven't gone back to research it. Like I thought about it earlier in the week of just being like, when was the last time like we saw like you know maybe you've heard something over at NFL Network where we've had you know out of our you know top ten receivers this many out, right? Um, you know, or even at the quarterback position, you know, kind of doing the same thing. I saw a tweet from Field Yates. And I want to say four out of the top six scoring fantasy players overall are out this weekend. You know, wow. so it's uh, so the good news is if it's happening to you, it could also be happening to your opponent. To so your maybe opponent, right? maybe you've got maybe you don't have Stefan Diggs. Maybe they don't have Josh Allen like that. That's OK. Like that's right. an equalizer. Exactly. So we're all sort of in the same boat this week. So uh, let's enjoy our ride in the boat for one more week and we'll reconvene next week for Dwayne. I am Marcus. This has been the Fantasy Life podcast. Enjoy week seven, everybody. And we'll talk to you next week.